One of my favorite and most oft-repeated quotes is from Joseph Heller's novel Catch-22. Just because you're paranoid doesn't mean that they aren't after you. It neatly sums up my relationship to conspiracy theory. I came online early, somewhere in the mid-90s, amid the X-Files hotness. Primitive internet, the X-Files and nerds sat on a major cultural ley line of the era, and as we're wont to do, we built websites as temples at the crossroads of our fascinations. For every flavor of conspiracy theory, there was a website. Typically made with mystery in mind, most of them were small green text on black backgrounds that were hard to read jumbles of the known loose ends, profiles of the people involved, and quite often, the site author's own conjecture. It was a magical before time for the internet, a golden age where the weirdos held sway, and while you occasionally found a site soaked in paranoia and spookiness, very few of them ever veered into the lands of racism and anti-Semitism that characterizes so much of modern conspiracy theory. Those guys were still out there, of course, but they were all still pursuing old-fashioned methods of getting the message out. They hadn't learned HTML yet, and Facebook was still a couple of decades in the future. Their vile screeds were relegated to publication on unknown publisher labels that had distribution channels limited to gun shows and flea markets. In this magical halcyon age, the folklore of modern America was drawn from the blurry photos of UFO sightings, the harrowing accounts being taken aboard, mysterious silent crafts which defied the laws of physics, and left victims with literal scars and a strange piece of metal embedded in their arm which radiated radio waves of a strange frequency. The government covered up everything, from the Roswell crash to the JFK assassination, and in some of the more colorful cases, Bigfoot and Mothman would often show up. These are extremely entertaining stories. They provide us with so much fuel for our imaginations, but as Dave McGowan, a dodgy conspiracy author of dubious merit, is known to point out, the connective tissue of these legends is often objectively there, no matter how occulted and esoteric those connections may be. To deny the sheer volume of circumstantial evidence is ignorant. How many coincidences must there be before you start to look at the loose ends of post-World War II Pax Americana more seriously? My guests today prowl the same shadowy hedgerows and highways, lured in by the same high volume of coincidence and circumstance that drives me to dig deeper into the muck of American statecraft. Sequoia Kennedy and Willow Truman of the Nonsense Bazaar podcast are fresh voices in a noisy sea of conspiranoia podcasts that do little more than book reports on well-known conspiracy folktales. In the process of tugging at the threads of American high strangeness, they found their way to the violent and troubling world of neo-reactionaries and mystical hyper-fascism, and are reporting on the forgotten corners of paranoia that other higher-profile shows ignore. In this episode, we talk about conspiracy, obsessive ruminations on death, and the sheer alien horror of crustaceans. And if you like what you hear, do be sure to follow the show on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And while you're out there, leaving a five-star review would be greatly appreciated. It helps get the word out about the show. And now, here's Willow and Sequoia. All right, you're listening to Fear is the Mind Killer. I'm your host, Brian White. And I'm joined today by a couple of a couple of folks who I'm very much looking forward to talking to. So far, I've had uh, I've had a lot of the occult. I've had a bit of horror. I've had a bit of uh, paranormal. Um, but these two host a podcast that I recently came uh, became aware of, and it has sort of taken over my consciousness almost entirely. It is a very nice cross-section of all the things that I'm into, um, and it touches on something that I haven't really gotten to yet on, on FitMK, uh, and that is conspiracy. Uh, I am joined today by Willa Truman and Sequoia Kennedy of Nonsense Bazaar. How are you guys? Good, Brian. We're Doing so excellent. Well. Thank you for having us. Yes, thank you very much. So I, um, you guys go to places that, like, I've listened to a few conspiracy shows i consider myself not a theorist but like an enthusiast 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And and being a conspiracy theorist these days puts you in really kind of dire company. And I would really rather die. <laughs> you know, like yeah. it, yes. it seems like no matter where you are on that spectrum, like you're always like maybe like two degrees removed from like InfoWars and Alex Jones or mm-hmm. something yep. like I mean, and, and just as shitty as he is, it, it does have a tendency to go even worse where like if you're reading anything like you're no more than two clicks away from and it was all the jews fault so like it's (laughs) such it's very treacherous territory like if you're one of these people who just kind of goes well something very clearly is fucked up and like if you're like me and you just cannot help but read and dig and go deeper and deeper and you start to see the connections and whether or not they're there for real you know, I'm still making sense of these. And I kind of get the feeling that like, that's kind of how everybody else is where it's like, well, shit, I really don't want to believe that there is like an accelerationist conspiracy going on right now, uh, led by a bunch of like neo-Nazi new agers, but it does kind of seem like that's what's going on. Everywhere you look, every time somebody does something like, uh, you guys must be aware of, um, like when Mike Flynn addressed that. Oh, yeah. That, oh, yeah. We're aware. <laughs> yeah. Like you must. It, like in, the Elizabeth Clare prophet prayer. Yeah. Like, so for the people man. listening, if you're not if you're not as deep, you know, into this, and you're not as poisoned as I am there. It was OK. So it was a QAnon like conference, wasn't it? Yes. It yeah, was a QAnon so, rally. Yeah. So, yeah. So to, you know, if you're if you're, you know, everybody's kind of a little bit aware of what that is. I won't go into it, but. At its core, it's like Christian patriots are saving the nation from satanic cannibal pedophile Democrats. Oh, oh, yeah. You know, that's really kind of a nutshell. But Mike Flynn, who was at one point Secretary of Defense under Donald Trump, he's kind of a star in that scene. And what he did was at this particular QAnon event, he led off with like a prayer that on the surface sounds apropos for uh for a very christian audience but it took critics no time to dig up and realize that it was really it it has its roots in theosophy uh you know kind of goes back to helena blavatsky uh but even like there's also this whole other thing called i am activity which is like a real perversion of hpbs it's hard to do the elevator pitch well it's so hard because it's so convoluted yeah, been, if you want to try Sequoia? Uh, yeah, I've been working on that. So there is an offshoot of theosophy um, that started essentially, it's an, essentially an American offshoot of theosophy called the Ascended Master Teachings that was really um, mostly based off of what C.W. Ledbetter did to Helena Blavatsky's theosophy. And then that was really started, uh, the Ascended Master Teachings really started with Guy and Edna Ballard and the I Am activity. In the 1930s. Yep, in the 1930s. And Church Universal and Triumphant, Elizabeth Clare Prophet's uh, group. Um, is an offshoot of Guy Ballard's yeah, group. Is, is an offshoot of the I Am activity. And One of many offshoots. Yeah. yeah, like that's such a common thing in the, you know, the occult world is, you know, that's that's really where I kind of make my home. But Likewise what you know like just you know just since time immemorial for as long as people have been getting together in lodges they come together and they have that sort of like brief time where it's very exciting and it's very wonderful and then they come into their own and they have this really great sort of halcyon day which really only seems to last about a week before everybody starts yeah. to hate each other and then it completely yeah, co- and comes then apart the splinter groups happen right yep. so like yeah. just because hey, like what's time yeah, just because like the Ballards disappeared doesn't necessarily mean that I am activity went anywhere. Like it certainly didn't leave with them. It actually, no. it's like it's like they took Theosophy, which it's got some pretty dodgy language in it, but the secret doctrine, in my opinion, is it's pretty benign. You know, uh, you know, it's just it's very it's just it's of a time. You know, it was written in like the eighteen nineties, I think, and it's just it's very much reflective of just like that sort of period sort of thoughts on society but it fell into the hands of people who were very much into fascism and it just hasn't gotten much better since then yeah i mean i think a a lot of it comes down to the idea of the ascended masters as that you know separate from 
you know, it's this the, at the base level, the ascended masters and the secret chiefs of occultism are, are sort of the same thing. But when we talk about the ascended masters and the ascended master teachings, where it's it's an extreme towards this idea of these dudes who are better than you, you know, and and that's a very like fascist idea. It's yeah. like, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's very I'll, hierarchical. Right, well. exactly. That's I think that's that's something that I've I've a lot of what I've been writing about lately is really kind of along those lines where, and it's something that's constantly been on my mind because I'm very much, I'm very much on the left as far, as far as, as politics go. And also being somebody who's not just like into like hoodoo or like, you know, folk, folk magic. Like if you're, if you actually sort of like get into, to ceremonial magic, like I do, then your comrades have a tendency to be like, oh, fascist, you're a fascist because that's fascist shit. And so I spent right. a lot of time thinking about like why that is exactly. And it really does kind of come down to the fact that it's every single lodge, even like the new ones have very rigid hierarchies and, you yep. know, yeah. being like a, you know, a fourth, you know, a fourth grade adept over somebody who's just first, you know, you wield a tremendous amount of power. And it, it also sort of implies just because you've done the work that you are better than the people yeah. below you. And so it does really dovetail neatly in, into into fascist thought, uh, it, which is really unfortunate because you know the, the the practice and the philosophy has helped me personally, and it uh, also has not turned me into a fascist, which is nice. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. I mean, I I also gravitate towards the uh, ceremonial ritual magic stuff just because I like the aesthetic of wizards. You know what I, I mean? Like that's that's, that's precisely my thing. it. That's exactly yeah. it. I, I, uh, when I first got into this, I was like, I just am not interested in the sort of witchy Salem thing. I really, right. really like this, you know, the like Freemasons and, you know, like the guys who wear yeah. like suits and a top yeah, hat yeah, and, yeah, a, yeah. and an apron and, you know, and not to mention like the, the whole Golden Dawns thing is really cool. Like just the look of it is is, is what really cool. did. That's a good it's, word for it. It's yeah, just yeah. fucking cool. It's cool. Like, like a lot of my <laughs> and, I, and I I I I don't shy away from this. I say this all the time. Like my model, like the the wizard that I aspire to be is Doctor Strange. Just yes. there's so yeah. much. Like he's got Traverse so much dimensions, stuff. man. Yeah. yeah, and a badass cloak. So uh, yeah, you gotta yeah, have cloak, cloak. It's all in the cloak. The one that I got, I made, I, I, you know, I wrote about it. It's janky as hell. Let's get in there. <laughs> hell yeah. Uh, yeah. No, the other thing is like, I, I'm a huge D and D nerd. Um, and I like also probably plays and tables. And oh my God. Mass, there's so much know? tables. Have you ever read Lieber seven, seven, seven? It's nothing but a giant yeah. table. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's awesome. It's, and it's like that type of complexity helps me get out of my own way in the, in the right way to make the magic happen, you know? Sure. Yeah. Um, rather than ingredients or herbs and stuff like there's too much space for my brain to be like, this is silly. This is dumb. But if, if I occupy it with charts and tables and hyper, hyper complexity, then it's. Yeah. It like what's work. the, like, let's see, like what's the Kabbalistic uh, cor correspondence of, of uh, this particular stone and look it up and it'll be like, Oh, Saturn. Perfect. Yeah. Right, exactly. yeah, 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 yeah. That <laughs> stuff. Yeah. I'm much more of like a shoestring chaos. Magician. Yeah, yeah. We're like, I'll scry in a pot of rice, yeah. you know, I'll find meaning wherever <laughs> I need to Hell as yeah. it comes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like my earliest, some of my, my earliest actual like applied magical practice was in that current. Like I started out a, a very good friend of mine has basically spent her life doing that. And so I was mm -hmm. like, well, like, uh, this is like, this is who I am. What do you think? Of, like, where's, where's my sort of like square one? And she's like, well, you might want to try this. You might want to try that. And it was like an, an opportunity, like the, the, cha the choice was really like Taoism or chaos. And I was like, mm. oh, well, chaos has Grant Morrison. So I think I'll do that. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah. and that was, that was it. And I very much did that. Like, I'm also a programmer. So like a lot of my earlier experimentation was I would take like the sigil in the Austin spare model. And then I would make yeah. Like, yeah. An, like an ASCII version of it. And I would stick it in the oh, code. Cool. Yeah. And like, I wrote a scrying bot that used to like take my, my own tweets from like that are, you know, you can download an archive that's, of your own tweets. That's yeah, so yeah. creative. And so like, I like it would that. do that. I like and that it a would lot. Take, would take like every fourth word that I used and create Markov chains out of it and then spit out yeah, a new yeah, yeah. tweet. And so I would scry based on the bullshit that this thing was like throwing at me. And so I was like listening to a very wow. fractured version of myself trying to sort of like oh, wow. find a hook for divinity. 
fun way of doing I love it. That. That's so it was cool. cool. <laughs> it, was, it was like mostly it was like I used it as an excuse, like a really weird excuse to learn uh, the Ruby language, but like. Yeah, it, ultimately, whatever there was, it takes, man. There was like way more signal, or there was way more noise in the than signal, but it was yeah, still yeah. like very, very weird, and it got me to where I was going. But yeah, it was like that's one of the things that I like about chaos. The stuff that I don't like about chaos is the sort of weird shit that happens in the margins because like there's mm-hmm. really no safety net, and you're just kind uh-huh. of throwing shit at the wall. Yeah. And so, like, yeah. as you yeah, do yeah, that, yeah. it's like casting off like crazy chaos that just kind of gets yeah. on you. You got to learn how to hone your practice to set up those safety nets, because otherwise you can fall into madness. Yes. Pretty yeah. easily. Yeah. Like yeah. weird things. I think uh, maybe I talked about this on an earlier episode, but like when I started to do this, um, eventually what happened was some things really kind of went sideways, like the classic bad chaos magic experience happened. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was that made me step back and be like, if I'm gonna do this, like I need discipline. Oh, do, and I really gotta do, do tell it. us more, please. Um, <laughs> I'll leave that one out just because it's a wicked bummer. But I'll tell you <laughs> oh, this, okay. and this is like Damn. the craziest. This is the craziest shit that has ever happened to me in a life where crazy shit has been happening since you know mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. born. But um, I was really, I was working it. I was doing the, you know, I was doing the work constantly because I was seeing results and I was really excited about that. So it was like broadening and broadening the ideas, like getting bigger, trying crazier things. And then one morning, it was just a Saturday morning and uh, I had, I was getting my kids ready to go do something. And I heard like splashing around in the bathroom, uh, like down here in the, around the living room. And I'm like, oh shit, like one of the cats fell in the toilet. Cause they'd be like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> has that happened before? Yes. <laughs> um, but not this time, actually. So yeah, I go, wow. I go around. So I'm like, oh God, go get the cat before they drown. And I uh I go around and what I do not see is a cat, you know, stuck in the toilet. What I see is a huge black wing sticking up out Whoa, of it. Though. Yeah. What? So Yes. Holy and shit. so it was this moment where like my entire world just kind of went like, yeah, and shifted yeah. sideways. And I'm like, what am I looking at? And then like, you know, rationality kind of re- came back to me and I'm like, fuck, there's a bird in the toilet. And I closed it, <laughs> not really knowing what to do. Uh. And I sat there just outside with the door closed and the thing, you know, the, the, the lid shut. Oh, shit, what for, do I do about it? For like this? 10 minutes, I'm like going back and forth between like, okay, that's strange and oh my god how am i going to deal with this and so like eventually i kind of you know i did i got around to it and i at one point i lifted up i go in very quietly and i lift it up and the bird is still there it wasn't like a hallucination or anything like yeah. that like, it was actually there and it was just chilled well, that's out. weird too yeah like yeah and so it's just chilled out it's even weirder staring at me and so i close it i go back out and i'm like okay i made a plan on how i'm going to get this thing out of there and when I went back, I was ready, like, I, you know, like oven mitts and like, you know, like stuff, just like ready, like, like I was going to get attacked by a crazed, you know, panicked bird. But when I lifted it, it was dead this time. And they, this was in, in, this was across 15 minutes. So huh. like, it wasn't like I was freaking out for an hour and this thing drowned right, or right. something. Cause like the last time I saw it, it wasn't, it was like head above the water and like calm so in 15 minutes this thing appeared calmed down and then died that's so strange <laughs> yeah so the the thoughts that i had i had about this in at the time was like so this thing either uh apportated there which is yeah. you know a thought that crazy people have but Right. I'm all, I'm also a crazy person. No, yeah, I would likewise. I would think that too. It'd be the so. first thing I went to. Yeah. And then the other thought <laughs> was back down either. The other thought was, okay, so there's a vent pipe on the roof. Yeah. And it's very possible that this bird fell into it, but like it's not like a huge pipe. It's like, I don't know, maybe like two inches in diameter, you know. And so um it's entirely possible that this bird fell into it and then squirmed its way down and then through the pipes and then up and emerged into that because you know the vents do eventually sort of like find their way into the network of the plumbing but the likelihood of this bird going through that's like that's crazy that's like yeah. 50 feet of pipe and like 10 feet yeah, of yeah. is under you think a, i don't know if a bird would do that i guess if it had to if it had to would, it it probably it birds can back up though 
you yeah, know? like it, it would like it wiggle also, its it body was, out. It was. It wasn't realize. Oh, it's so yeah, it wasn't long a, hype. It wasn't a corvid, but it was like a blackbird of some sort. Um, and so, like, I mean, they're you know they're not stupid. They're you know they're very smart birds, but like. It was, it just seemed like 10 feet of that pipe length is in, is literally full of water. So this bird would have had to struggled through 10 feet of water, yeah. in a, you know, in a tight fitting pipe. So like just the, the way that this worked out in my head, like the reality of how it got there versus it just sort of manifesting in there, right, like the yeah. likelihood of these to me are just as real. So, and they're both weird. They're both, both equally weird. Equally in my strange. Opinion. Yeah. yeah. So that was like the, I, so I, I, you know, I dealt with that. I told, I told a friend of mine who was in this and she was like, you may want to take it down a notch for a little while. (laughs) And uh, and I was like, no, you know, like I, I was, you know, I'm like, I'm, I, until like a certain, like maybe like, I don't know, like a couple of years ago, I was very much like a Jack Parsons, like onward, you know, I must, you know, I must, you know, I was just very reckless and had that sort of lust for, for result um and then you know and then we we had a really bad thing happen that i can't conclusively tie uh to my practice but its occurrence was just as yeah uh, just as spontaneous and unlikely as a bird appearing in the toilet so it was like after that it was like okay well i have to keep doing this but if i'm gonna do it i gotta you know i need to find a different paradigm because this just is way too crazy it's too much. It can be too much. Yeah. yeah. I find that it's really good to take breaks or switch up my practice. Just like switch also what I'm looking at. You know, I can spend some time looking into aliens and <laughs> UFOs and interdimensional stuff. And then I'll switch from that to something else. Maybe a little more grounded. Maybe I'll get back into my tarot practice or something. I like how tarot is the more grounded. Yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 I- I've definitely dialed back. I, you know, I blew up my shit when I was like 27 or so completely. Um, I think it happens to everybody. Uh, It really is. It's part of the process. Like if you, if you, you know, even if you, if you go through sort of like the, the journey of the, like the fool's journey of the major arcana, there's, you know, there really, there's several of these moments where just shit goes sideways for, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how much of uh, the nonsense bizarre you've listened to, but there was a time in my life not that long ago that I literally believed I was an alien. <laughs> so <laughs> I got sucked down yeah, yeah. <laughs> into some weird rabbit holes. Oh, sure. Until I had to be like, you know what? It doesn't matter if I am or not. Right. Like, I don't need to make that an integral part of my identity that I announce <laughs> to everybody. I'm not from here. Like, okay, cool. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, you're here now. So yeah, I'm here, here now anyway. Yeah, it was like yeah. a little ways back. It w- there was a lot of chat, that chatter of like, are we living in a simulation? And there were a lot of people who were like, well, what are the philosophical ramifications of living in a simulation? And at first, you know, I was very caught up in that. And I was like, well, shit, like, I mean, if this is just running in a computer, then like, what's the point? But then like, I started to think about it a little bit more rationally. And I'm like, well, even if this is just a dream of a computer, then like everything that's happened to me is still real. Like my life is yeah. exactly thing. So like whether this be like a the you know uh, something that's happening inside the mind of a of a very sophisticated machine, or it's like the dream of a you know some sort of like sleeping god or something like that, and the kind of more gnostic right. sense of it. Like it's really the same thing. And what's the difference? And who cares? Because like my life yeah. is still my life. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah. Well, it exactly. brings up the question: What is real and what's not? And the question, like, does it matter? Does that, it matter? Yeah. Matter? Right. So I mean, you that's enjoy your life. Like a lot of that goes back to uh, Hassan Isaba from uh, the the Assassin's Cult. Like his famous saying, like, nothing is true, everything is permitted. Right. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. I only recently learned where that came from. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know that it came from. Yeah. There. Like most, because... most, yeah. Everybody who's ever played like Assassin's Creed is like, ah, I know that phrase. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I've I've heard it in the context of chaos magic, but. Yeah, that's uh, where I heard it yeah. too. Yeah, I think um, I it may have been like it's been a million years since I've read any of Pete Carroll's books, but I think it may right, have okay. really sort of appeared in like God did he was it him who did Liebernall? So uh, he did Psychonaut. I think yeah. Liebernall. Peter yeah. Carroll did Liebernall. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so that's it. Because I'm thinking because Phil Hine also has one that's 
Volhanded Condensed Chaos, I think. He did that. And then there's another one yeah. that has... T- anyways, this is, the titles yeah, are very yeah. similar and it's the practice is all the same. But um, yeah, so like we have immediately descended into some very weird territory here. Yep, it happens. And we have established <laughs> that, uh, yeah, yeah, we're definitely uh, working on a wavelength. So knowing <laughs> that we're all quite insane or prone to sort of plumbing those depths, like what could possibly frighten you guys? Like what, 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 is, what is a thing which what scares you? Go first, Sequoia. Um, death, straight up. Uh, I... So I have, I have high functioning OCD okay. um, in the pure O sense, which is like not physical compulsions. It's just thought compulsions, getting locked onto something and ruminating, which is a superpower when you can handle it correctly. It takes a long time to learn how to do that. But I, so I only recently learned about it. I don't know if it's an official subset or if it's just a good way to describe it, but uh, existential OCD where you kind of just are always think about the big questions. And so like, I think about death and existence, like literally all the time. Um, there's really not a day that goes by that I don't think about and worry, but it's not so much the idea of non-existence or dying that frightens me. It's the idea of forgetting, forgetting friends, family experiences, like, and that all means so, so much to me. Um, and I'm aware, aware that there's a lot of people who wouldn't mind forgetting the life that they got dealt, you know, but for me, that's the, yeah, that's the thing that frightens me. And then, and through, even through reincarnation or all these like sort of workarounds around the idea of non-existence, which I don't think that there is such a thing as like, I think the conscious experience continues, but I don't think there's a way around the forgetting and that, uh, really bothers me yeah is this a thing yeah. like have you is this something that you uh like is this something that you've lived with for a while because i mean that's that's very valid that is a very i would say that's a very common thing i think probably people probably think about it way more than they like to admit like it certainly comes probably it certainly comes to mind to me a lot like and i have a very i have a very different like uh, in the last several years like my 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 personal spirituality turned very gnostic and so there is a definitely a lot of that like climbing the tree returning to the godhead like getting out of here sort of yeah. thing and yeah, sort yeah. of like it really did sort of adjust my attitude toward death and i'd be lying if i said like oh i'm not afraid of it anymore because i think everybody is even the most yeah. like you yeah. know like even the people right. with the most hardcore like death wish sort of psychology you know that's just it's just a normal human thing to sort of be like well oh shit like to not want to die yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. One, like one day this is all gonna end and like I have really like I have some thoughts on what happens next, but I have no way of knowing for sure. I really only have faith in that. So, yeah. But the the whole like the, the thing that you said was interesting to me was the um, like the notion of like the the work around the reincarnation and stuff like that. It's like well, yeah. you come back around, but you still get the mind wipe. Like even by and you still forget. Yeah. Yeah. Like even by Which like might be even worse because then you still have the trace fragments and you don't know why certain things make you feel weird so yeah yeah i'd rather not even like account there's already too much going on in this life like let me not pull any (laughs) you know also like i mean in the tibetan book of the dead like you know you go through the bardo and and there's that point where like you're going to come back around but you can't you can't bring it with you and so you you get the you get wiped and you get thrown back into it but the whole thing with that is like that like i mean that's really kind of I, I don't know if it's really the root of it i mean it's just it's very much kind of the the place where i think a lot of westerners come into the idea of of reincarnation but that idea of breaking out of samsara yeah you yeah. first have to realize that that's a thing and so if you don't remember what you did in the previous lifetime and you have you like maybe in this current one you're not a believer like so how the fuck are you right. supposed to like come to that realization and sort of constructively yeah. work with that it's it's very very complicated yeah you know if you're playing like dark souls you can yeah you, you, you keep the knowledge every time you die you get better and better at the finally yeah, you just, beat the boss that's why I like games. It. yeah all you do is you lose your souls but you right, can even exactly. walk back yeah. and get them yeah yeah well i think <laughs> pulling the idea of reincarnation into the physical realm and the way that it actually takes place is through familial trauma, through generational trauma. Mm. I think the the lives that we bring with us into this life are the lives of our ancestors and our families. Because I mean, yeah, literally you do kind of take on your parents' attachment style. You might 
take some of their bad habits, their good habits too, but they got that from somewhere too. And then their parents got that from somewhere too. Oh, yeah. So really like the demons that, that we carry with us or the angels are our families, I think. Yeah, I, that's, I agree with that. There's, there's definitely like, there's like, things that I've seen in. You yeah. Know, if you have a past her. life, it's probably like the past probably. life that's in your DNA. Well, I, yo, but then probably. does that mean that if you don't have kids, you don't, you just face oblivion? I don't want to think about that because <laughs> we're gonna cut Still this off. We're gonna send him into a, yeah. video, like a dark spiral of, of oblivion. Spiral. Yeah. We're called yeah. the nonsense bizarre, but we we get really dark very very <laughs> quickly. Yeah. So. Um. Yeah. So like uh, like when like when about do you remember that sort of coming into into your just becoming sort of a regular a regular thought pattern? Yeah, I think um. Well, there was a moment uh. I was in probably sixth grade or something. It's the first time I can remember just like walking to the bathroom from lunch and then like just being hit with the thinking about thinking feeling in like the strongest way for the first time, the whole, what am I? What is this? What is this experience and shit? Um, and I think like, since I mean, I've always had a sort of philosophical, I, I was like, a, until I was like 17 or so, I was a God killing atheist, you know, a real miserable fuck Um, just just an awful insufferable nerd uh but yeah i think it's it's i mean there was some experiences when i was like late teens early 20s i lost a few people that was really fucking traumatic and um i think it probably got worse since then but it's just it's sort of as as long as i can remember it's always just been a thing kicking around in there Um, yeah like it, it is something that we we deal with. We learn, you know, we learn about it very early in our lives. You know, it's a thing that we just kind of come upon as as children. Um, but like I can to that to that last point where you said like you know I you know, you had a bunch of you know there were a few losses. Like I had, you know, like like anybody else, like grandparents died, and you know, like I had a couple of, you know, like a couple of my uncles died. Like they kicked it a little early, but like. It, it was also sort of like a thing that you saw coming, you know, these were people who had lived right. long lives. It, was, it wasn't tragic, you know, it was, you know, they, they had a lot I had a very still... different experience. Yeah, I did too. <laughs> yeah. But like, uh, at the same time, like it was, I don't know, maybe like eight years ago at this point, like those were people who, I don't know, some, something, some expectation in me was just set where it was like, okay, you know the the time the clock's running out for for some of these people as well you know as, as you know it's kind of like morbid as that sound. no it's true though it's just yeah. but like i mean it really is like it i don't really know how else to phrase that but you know uh, several years back like it really came to me in a way that was like that was not supposed to happen in that a like, sudden a mine, loss I, is really hard yeah. like, a, like it was a good a good friend of mine who died he was like like we go way back and he was a guy who really sort of affected my life in very profound ways like in a lot of ways like if i had never met him i would not be the person like right now like yeah i yeah. Know, I just i just wouldn't be that guy like he introduced me to so many things and really kind of like set the pace for for years to come we, we met in high school someone and, that uh, you probably didn't imagine that you would have to say goodbye to yeah yeah like it was i mean not only that but not only was it is it was it way too way too soon for him uh it well it was it was a suicide also which just which is just bullshit mm-hmm. and also but i mean yeah. like the, the experience of this it was somebody from my like direct peer group you know had this really, mm-hmm. really yeah. sort of important effect on my life died way sooner than they should have um that was the one that really sort of put things into perspective where it was like fuck you know this this you know you're not necessarily you don't necessarily have to be an old man when you die like you know yeah yeah like that and that and it really it fucked with me like it really did it put me on a very bad like in a bad place sort of set a very Mm -hmm. yeah for the next couple of years when stuff like that happens it's like you almost feel your life split into like two sections like before that happened and after it's like there you feel different oh yeah i mean you know um, when i was 20 uh my best friend um and one of those people like you know one of those friends who are angels like they're your life is different from having met them uh, he, he died in a horrific car accident in uh, March, drunk driving, like fucking idiot. And uh, then in, in December, another friend from that same group put his dirt bike into a tree. Oh, man. And like, it sent me into a multi-year period of 
yeah just especially one after the other the other like that yeah it was it was bad um and like you know i've I've known people committed suicide uh, a good friend of mine october of 2020 did that and it's it's it It makes sense it's it's hard (laughs) why you ruminate yeah about death yeah it makes a lot of sense I've had a lot of it. two of my two best friends growing Too up both their it. dads died like it's just yeah. yeah there's been a lot and um and it's hard to separate like is that what drove me into being really interested in religions and faith and shit is that a coping mechanism is it just something that happened you know right uh, yeah because like following this guy's death like I did that I, I had the I had that spiral like I, I'm a like I don't I don't drink I don't use anything anymore like it's been six years since like I completely bottomed out as a result of, of just the spiral that came of this. Like I just went to the worst fucking place possible. Um, and just, just the only way to sort of like keep moving forward was to like, stop doing that stuff. So like it, it just, it has such a fucking intense effect on you, but it was also right around that time that I took on, like, I was like, okay, I'm going to take this whole like magic and spirituality thing way more seriously and maybe, and honestly, maybe that was why I did it was for that sort of like coping mechanism to sort of feel like I had some, at least some, like some grip, like grip on the control. Grounding. Yeah. It's weird because it's so like people think of magic and mysticism as so up in the air and so not grounded, but it's given me so much grounding, like all of my Absolutely. personal improvement, every, like it's made me feel safe in life because like the clinical route, like all that stuff, it doesn't really work for me in getting me to understand the world, but this makes sense to me and in it a does lot of ground ways, me. Yeah, in a lot of ways for me, what it did was it gave me a way to sort of compartmentalize the madness because like it, it wasn't yeah. just, you know, it wasn't, yep. it, right. it, it didn't just characterize itself as like addiction for me. Like there was a whole psychotic component to this where like I, you know, I, I was tormented by my own voice, you know, it was really fucked up stuff. And so like a way for me, a very good way for me to sort of like get control of that was to be like, here's some really crazy shit that I'm I'm in direct control of. I can put all of my madness into like Aleister Crowley and Austin Spare and just like, I will put it there and I will experience the crazy there and I will be like a normal functioning human being over here. So like, it really is a way it was like, it was extremely important and very, very helpful in ways that like, you know, I also did the, uh, you know, the therapy and medication and like that stuff worked to a certain point. And I was Mm -hmm. lucky enough to have a therapist who I was like, yeah, so I was out at the beach doing a ritual the other night. And she was like, that's fucking great. I'm so proud of you. Oh yeah. You know, but like the guy (laughs) who I talk to now when I have to like walk on eggshells around and sort of like not like get committed. So good. But uh, yeah, but uh, it, it, but that, that stuff was absolutely instrumental in sort of like getting my feet back on the ground and actually being able to sort of like move forward in a productive way. Well, it so. gives you like, it's a way to give meaning. Um, and I think that's like, like sudden death and, and tragedy can really shake your, it can, it can send you towards nihilism, which I think is the most destructive thing yeah, in the world. Like, I think that really is a thing is like so many people and right. I mean, it really does seem to, it really did seem to sort of coincide with when I was getting into things. And so maybe I, sometimes I'm like, shit, like, did I will this into existence? Which is just some, some Oh God, some, some welcome self, to my life. Yeah, like some yeah, self even, like, you, you can't like, do that. No, I don't do it anymore. But even like a major world event kills 300,000 people. I'm like, <laughs> fuck, I, I, that's because I was stressed out. Like or something stupid like that. But that's like Crowley like, saying that he caused World War One. Yeah, a, a ritual gone wrong. Like, yeah, that's no, that's the, really my anxiety taken to its extreme. Yeah, but like all of a sudden, it did really sort of seem like uh, around the time that I was doing this, like either either it was just because my consciousness shifted in a way that I suddenly realized that way more people than I thought were into this, and then I started to sort right. of like cultivate kind of like a social crowd based on it so all of a sudden it seemed like everybody was doing this all of a sudden and at the same time um but like we all are searching for some kind of meaning because like if there is nothing like to have gone into the world that sort of resulted in like 2016 Mm -hmm. when all of a sudden like this entire country just went fucking insane 
Yeah. If I didn't believe in anything and I had to look at the world with like real like nihilistic Frederick Nietzsche eyes, I would, yeah, yeah. you know, I, I could totally understand why there are all these like black pilled nightmares out there who, yeah. uh, you know, who like live on 8chan and shit, you know, like it just, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's it, such it's, a, it's such a dark place when you don't is. really believe in anything. Yeah. I, I, and then I, I feel like there's a lot of people who be like, well, okay, well, you know, you're just using superstition for comfort. And it's like, well, man, I'm, you know, I'm well aware that like my metaphor isn't literally true. It's a, it's, it's the idea of having the metaphor, having the, the, the path, you know, it does, it's just, it only matters that it is a path. I think uh, at least that's what I've you know come to tell myself. Uh, and it's true that like in the last decade or so things went insane um there's a lot of there's a lot of weirdness in the 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 psychosphere it's profound <laughs> and it's so it's, it's so messed up and i have a really hard time understanding uh i have thoughts on it i think that it, it was definitely sort of like the social media uh egregore yes. rose up and you know because it definitely coincides with humongous numbers of people go, like going online and sort of interacting one with one another sort of in that like web 2.0 thing like you know like everybody's yeah, grand, yeah. everybody's parents suddenly woke up to facebook and like the, <laughs> like the rules changed completely like they took those oh my like god weird... my 74 year old mother is always on facebook it's yeah. bizarre it's, crazy. it's bizarre yeah, it's so weird literally anybody can put anything on the internet and so like yeah consensus like the consensus was like you we couldn't we, we could no longer agree on certain truths and so it kind of like loosened the grasp on other things to a point where like you know like there, there were small crowds of people who were like well you don't know what's in those vaccines but all of a sudden that's like everywhere and it's politicized yeah. very heavily yeah uh, so I mean, like, one of the things i've we've been tracking i've been tracking for a long time um is like the other side of the uh right-wing magical conspiracies uh besides like the ascended master teachings and that's um you know the traditionalist uh side of things the alexander dugan the steve bannon yeah the, uh, th those guys and like it's wild to me that you know um i forget it's 1800s early 1900s uh vladimir Vernadsky, the Russian priest, scientist, philosopher, had the concept of the newosphere, the, the sphere of consciousness around the planet. And then in the 80s, I believe, um, the Soviets were doing research into the idea of the newosphere. And if you could mess with that, well, lo and behold, in the 90s, we get the internet, which really is the sphere of consciousness around the planet. And then you look at like um, Cambridge Analytica, and uh, use that Facebook quiz to get everybody's information and start poking at people, manipulating people through Facebook, through the newosphere. And like Steve Bannon was the CEO of Cambridge Analytica, this dude who's a self-described mystic who believes in this very weird theology and caste system based uh, just fucking, we're, we just recorded an episode on Alexander Dugan and traditionalism. Oh, it'll shit. come out in a couple of weeks. Um, and it's it's weird and dark and like really hard to unpack because it's fucking nonsense. Um, it's, but it's, it's uh, extremely Byzantine. Like I uh, mm -hmm. I recently I did a I did a kind of a, kind of a teardown on uh, Gordon White uh, recently. Um, from are, are you familiar? Yeah. With so, um, yeah, I I I he was in my periphery. He's um, yeah, he's very much a piece of that. I don't think he's really like a big wheel in it. He's just kind of like no. a pawn in the game because really at the top of that, at the top of that, uh, of that ladder is really it's just a handful of people uh, who are like put you know spending the right amounts of money and you know getting the information yeah. out there in, in weird ways and in a big hiding part of by that was uh, he's very much a part of that where he's like we exit modernity and the West is a failed project yeah. and you know traditionalism and all this like he, his whole thing was he was a he was a Silicon Valley guy for a while who eventually bought a farm in Tasmania like got as far away like he lives literally on the fringes of the world but he still does this very popular podcast for people who are into sort of like a, a culture and um yeah yeah there it, it but like his whole thing has been very much like anti-mask anti-vax 
but he also yeah. pals around with a lot of very accelerationist types. Um, yeah. And you can sort of like draw connections, not direct connections, but like by several, you know, degrees of separation to like the order of nine angles and Adam Waffen. Uh, yeah. Like real real terrifying outfits. Like don't want to cover. <laughs> yeah. Now, us and in, us included. Like I there's like there's certain people I don't want to fuck with. I had to take a, I I had to take a break fucking. after writing those where I was like, yeah. I was going to do a third part, which sort of like connected it all to sort of like intelligence agencies, both like, <laughs> uh, you know, in terms of government and also private agencies. But like, it was like a week of just living in that murk that I couldn't, I just couldn't fucking do it. Not to mention, I started to get a little afraid. It's an uncomfortable murk too. It's, <laughs> like it's, it's bad because when you really sort yeah. of like collate the data and look at it put together, it's like like oh shit! Like I think we actually crossed the event horizon a while ago, right? And like they're just playing out the clock at this point. You know, it's it's God, it's a nightmare. That's that sucks yeah. so bad. I do I do like how <laughs> the intelligence agencies have been popping back into the into the group consciousness lately i like i like i like my my shit a little spooky you know I, I like that was a good intelligence like, agent it seemed uh, like <laughs> such a like a cons like a such a, a piece of the cold war and so when the cold war ended like and like you didn't really have that like you know like who's working with the nkvd and who's working for you know mi6 and like all these like like the cia and all these other intelligence agencies sort of like waging war in the shadows like went away God, yeah. things got so boring after that. But now that they're back and I'm looking at it, I was like, I kind of wish we could go back to uh, the time before they had any relevance. Uh, but I, again, I also, I wrote an article about how algorithms are affecting everybody's consciousness in the same way. Cause like people used to talk about like that, that sort of like meme horror story, uh, Roko's Basilisk, where like, yes. the computer yeah, yeah. punishes people in the past who didn't like do everything they could to bring it up to, to speed. Right, right. And a lot of people who just don't really know much about artificial intelligence are really are the ones who sort of like put the spin on that and gave it some life. But most of the people on the less wrong forum where that came from were like, this is bullshit. This would, this like, there's, right, no, yeah, yeah, there's yeah, nothing yeah. to this. Like a computer that has that kind of intelligence would realize that just like spiteful human behavior is a waste of resources, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah, but exactly. if it didn't have that layer of consciousness, if it was like a computer in the, in the sort of nascent stages of machine learning and, and artificial intelligence, it absolutely could do something like that where it's just, programmed to do a particular thing by certain algorithms to give people more and more information that they're going to engage with because they like it and if it also happens to be stuff that says hillary clinton literally drinks blood that's going <laughs> to land the time machine. yeah the time machine and portals to Mars <laughs> and like all that shit like it's going to land in a lot of people's sort of like social feeds and when like this many people yeah. are using social media jesus christ this went really really dark so fast hey man <laughs> <laughs> i always uh, think about like what if like the internet like what, what if the internet gains sentience as like an emergent property you know it, it is a essentially a brain made up of a whole bunch of different brains there's a guy who thinks it already has and its name is tyler that's ridiculous i know <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, like, I mean, well, what it would really need to do is it would need some sort of like a, a, the, the same sort of mechanisms that we have in our brains that sort of like make the make the emotional connections in order to sort of like actually make like take action on that uh, on all the information. But like you tell your browser things that you wouldn't tell your oh, therapist. Yeah. So the Internet, Google, Google knows precisely the person that you are. And that's yeah. Well, terrifying. by the way. Tyler is a reference to Fight Club. Oh, Jesus. So, Stop no. this <laughs> Stop so, you know, Tyler's like your, you know, the AIs, like the, the dark shadow, Stop like that. doppelganger. Yeah, I know. I'm <laughs> so sorry to. You know, they, you know like, they get a really great idea and then they just have to like piss all over it with just like I the know. first pop culture references. <sighs> yeah. Oh. Also, I really, I like how Rocco's bas Basilisk. You know, that's how Grimes and Elon Musk met. Yeah. Just because no. she like, Some, yeah. Yeah, because she made like a cute little tweet that said like Rococo's Basilisk. Yeah. And he was like, haha, LOL, so funny in her DMs because he's so online. He, like, <laughs> oh my god yeah peter Thiel took way all too of online his, yeah peter Thiel yeah. took all of his money from the from the paypal fortune and like 
you know, repurposed it sort of towards like shadowy, re, you know, reformations of government. And yeah. Like sort of like making the world into the world that he wants to live in. And Elon Musk took his half of the fortune and became a walking meme. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then Grimes was like, you know what? I'm a cash in on that because I think that I'm a dark alien goddess. I have a whole alter ego that represents the end of the world due to climate change called um... misanthropocene. And uh, I think I'll have a baby with him. Sure. I, I do think this whole story, like it's beautiful. It all, it all makes sense. If you think of the entirety of the human race as uh, all of human history, as the prelude to Grimes becoming the queen of Mars. I, I like it, it, it contextualizes it's, everything in a nice little package. It's exactly what she wants. <laughs> it's her, this is her dream. We're just living in it. See, I'll, I'll okay. So it. I'm going to, I, I was like, God damn it. Like the, the best thing that could happen, uh, you know, in a Mars colonization sort of thing where Elon Musk is riding the spaceship is just a launch pad accident. <laughs> but yeah. the, the, the thought that he would be like the first person to really sort of be like royalty on Mars and that she would be also there is just like the, just the worst thing. Cause you can't, you can't revise that kind of history once it happens. Like that's the, that's no. the once that genie's once like, it happens, bottle, it's all downhill. Yeah. We're stuck with that forever. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Willow, what scares you? Oh God. Okay. So my first, my automatic answer to this question is crustaceans. <laughs> okay. I'm so glad that we're going in this direction because that went down such a dark path. <laughs> <laughs> Unless this is also going to go down a dark path. Let's I don't go. know. We'll see. we'll see where it takes us. Um, but yeah, ever since I was a kid, like I could barely even stand to walk by like the lobster tank in a grocery store. I didn't want to go to the beach. I couldn't even handle seeing a crab shell. Like they just freak me out. I will tell you what, like lobsters <laughs> look like gigantic fucking insects to me. And so I'm Very not creepy. I'm like, yeah, like, because, like, you know, like I, I live in New England and, you know, there's a lobster yeah. tank in every in every grocery store. And so yeah. I see them and it's just like this writhing mask of like the bane of my existence. And, truly, yeah. it's no, just like, like no. deeply disturbs me to my core. I'm like, I shouldn't have to look at these things. No, yeah, no, thank you. <laughs> I'll, I'll eat the hell out of them. But like, I, oh, would yeah, really, delicious. I, would, I would greatly prefer somebody else shell them. Right. Oh. I will eat them. I just won't shell them. I won't touch them. I won't look at them. No. Huh. Yeah. I don't like spiders that much. Not a fan I'm of okay with them. Either. Yeah. I used to be okay with them as a kid. Went through that phase of not being able to stand them. Now I'm back where I started. Don't mind them. Right on. I think, yeah. I think um, like when I was little, like I was okay with them just because it was just sort of like, you know, you see them in your house. But then I saw a tarantula for the first time and it completely mm. changed everything for me. Like, they just, they shouldn't be that big and they shouldn't be furry. <laughs> like that's awful. Uh, but like the way that they yeah. move is very hard to track because they got like so many goddamn legs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Although holding a tarantula helped me get over my fear of spiders. Because really? it like, because it, it had a weight to it. it, you know, and it felt like a real animal. Yeah. yeah. And not just like they're this. They're kind of cute too. Yeah, they're kind of fuzzy. They're eyes and they're yeah. fuzzy. They're not I mean, so bad. I'm not going to keep one. Yeah, I would disagree. I would it again, willingly, one. but uh... yeah, no, like uh, some, like yeah, like growing up, like some friends of mine had one, and uh, they were they like my wife was holding it, and she's like, "Here, you should like you should hold it." Here, and she took like her hair, and she's like, "Here's what it feels like when it's on." And I'm like, "I don't give a fuck. Like, put that thing back in the box." I yeah, do not, I don't yeah. Want to look at it. Yeah, no, I've had no a lot of nightmares you. about crabs. People throwing crabs at me. Really? Yeah, crab finding crabs in my bed. Huh. Oh. Yeah. When I huh. when I was Isn't when I was a kid, I lived uh, like walking distance to a beach, and yeah. so like I would go down there, and they would just be like scuttling around because they're like tide pools and stuff. I play oh, with them all no, the time. No. Like, hey, I had no, I had no problem with 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 them. People crab for fun. I guess they do it for money too. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, those guys go out into the go out to the ocean and literally put their lives on the line for king crab yeah. legs. Yeah. <laughs> now yeah. those things are king terrifying. Crabs. Those things are terrifying because their legs are coconut massive. crabs. The like giant are those the ones, ones that like yeah. come into like mob places in like Australia and stuff. Yeah, they're like huge. Yeah, no, thank you. Those <laughs> like, things are awful. Yeah, like, isn't they, there a South Park episode about crab people? Oh, I don't know. I think there is about like an evil race of crab people. I'm digging deep into my to my bank of memories. I have that no one. idea. But yeah, that that might also play into it. I don't know. Where does this fear come from? I have no uh, idea. H.P. Lovecraft um, was like an also a, like an East Coast like 
guy, you know, probably. Oh, yeah. And so, oh, like, yo. I, his, I got some his, Lovecraft tidbits. Oh, sweet. His, um, uh, like, what was it? The, um, the Migo from a yes. story called uh, The Whisperer in Darkness. They're not yeah. exactly crab like, but the description is really, is very much like in that description. Like, it's almost like he, think... he had the same thing where he looked at a lot of like, yeah. seacoast wildlife and was like this stuff is awful look they're, at it they're just so inhuman you know but also isn't it a fact that there's so many species that automatically take crab form oh yeah yeah like it's just automatically nature just settles into crab yeah 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 it's, it's <laughs> yes no this this is a thing i'm gonna i'm gonna screw it up but like there's i guess multiple species that just end up as crabs like through totally different paths of evolution like it's it happens it's like it branches and branches and branches and then eventually converges yeah yeah it's just like that seems to be a a thing it must be like it must be like an ideal like an ideal sort of like biological form Form. if you're going to like survive in particular environments yeah i mean i can see it yeah it's like a big round hard body like it's yeah yeah scuttle along it can scuttle and it's got the yeah. You know, the pencil. And they walk Should sideways some for cool some reason. HP Lovecraft things. Oh yeah. Well, I so I um I live in Rhode Island and I come from a small town called Foster. Um and uh Lovecraft used to spend uh summers in Foster. Um I believe I grew up across the street from his surviving relatives because it was the same last name and it's a very small town. What? Uh, but are they actually yeah, their yeah. last name is actually Lovecraft? Whipple was their last okay, name. Okay, so yeah, so the uh, grandfather's yeah. name, yeah. Yeah, um and he uh his house where he, where he spent the summers at there's a quarry back there and he wrote the story The Silver Key about that quarry and me and my friends used to have bonfires there like every oh, weekend. Oh shit. Yeah. That's wild. And beyond that, uh The Color Out of Space. He wrote um about he him and August Derleth um tried to go to Gloucester, which is right north of Foster, and find the, the the dark swamp monster in this place called Dark Swamp. They never made it because they were city boys and <laughs> they couldn't, uh, couldn't get soft. there. But they still, they wrote the, uh, Lovecraft wrote the color out of space just after that experience of being in Gloucester and being in that swamp and stuff. And there, that is another spot where we have had huge parties like two miles into the middle of the woods with like just had raves there and stuff and like uh just these insane parties when you're in their uh, early 20s and yeah and uh, my cousin actually lives right on the edge of dark swamp now and she's been telling me about she's seen some weird stuff out there uh that is sort of unexplainable and she's you know also a crazy person like us and yeah it's cool but uh so i, I think soon I'm going to try to like go find the monster that Lovecraft couldn't. I'm going to come with you when you do that. Cause that's sweet. Let's do it. (laughs) Well, that's the thing. Like I, um, I, first of all, I got to go to foster and look at this uh, and actually go to this, this quarry to see it. Cause like, that's, I, I'm a humongous Lovecraft fan. Like, but also like I make it a point to go to places with like, really high strangeness quotients and uh yeah, yeah. experience like i've always intended to go to the hockamock swamp to get that like bridgewater oh yeah experience yeah yeah i used um, to live uh, right over over near there yeah because um, i mean that's not that far from from uh rhode island now, border. yeah i was living in uh, Pawtucket, so like 15 minutes away from uh the bridgewater triangle the uh, hockamock swamp I've been wanting to do like a canoe trip documentary thing through the, like find a canoe route through the Hockamock Swamp some summer, get some mics and cameras and stuff and just do like a short documentary about it one day. One day I have time. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of strangeness in like in Rhode Island and uh, in New southern England New England in general. In general. Yeah. I would want to start collecting it. We're in a good area for it. Like I live in New Hampshire, so I'm not, I'm not. You know, I was I lived in Marblehead for a little while down in Massachusetts, which is the model for Kingsport in the Lovecraft stories. Yeah. Um, oh, Foster is Arkham. He used Foster as a stat as badass. anytime he says Arkham, he's talking about Foster. I'll have to check that out because also like there are there are, there are maps that he had drawn of Arkham that also have a tendency to look a lot like Manchester, New Hampshire. That is true. Um 
I forget where I pulled that. That could be totally wrong. I Arkham, feel like I read that. I, but I may it have might also that. be. Could say, also I may be have based on many towns. Hour. It could. Yeah. It yeah. really, really, that, that really is. It, I, is and like, I feel like that is a Lovecraftian thing to do is sort of to like wrap a bunch of different towns into one town and be like, sure. it's based on all of them. You know, yeah, that yeah, way yeah. it gives that every town feel. Like it, yeah. that, that really was it is like he, he went to like in the shadow over Innsmouth. Like I've, I was always convinced that Innsmouth was uh, based on Seabrook, New Hampshire, which is like right, right across the Massachusetts border. But really what it is, is Innsmouth is just sort of like every marshy North Shore town that he ever went to that was like right on the on the coast that had right, sort right, of, right. you know, where, where the, the fishing had kind of dried up. And, you know, so like he mentions like. Ipswich and like Gloucester is definitely one of them. And so like, uh, yeah. they, they all, they all, they all look the same. Um, it's true. They do all look exactly the same. Yeah. That's something that I really like about this area though, is that you can drive around forever and everywhere kind of feels a bit <laughs> home-like. There yeah. is an insane yeah. spookiness about like mm-hmm. New England from like Maine down to, to I, I feel like you start to lose it uh, south of Providence, but um well, we have this when spot, I was like, a, where well, so when I was we a kid, are the, we used, oh, I'm sorry, go. Uh, there, so where we are is a, the, right on the border of Rhode Island and Connecticut is uh, the Quinnebog Valley. It's also known as the last green valley. And what's, it's really cool that if you look at a map of the earth at night, Southern New England is totally lit up just from urbanization, light pollution, except for the very conspicuous dark strip. That's the border of Rhode Island and Connecticut. No and it's shit. like almost its own state, which is where we are. Yes. And it's uh, <laughs> quite weird. And definitely has its own feel that isn't necessarily reflected by the rest of Rhode Island and the rest of Connecticut. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, like yeah. dark swampland. Um, what was that? When I used to read, um, I used to read, uh, uh, God, what is his name? Chris, uh, Chris Gethard. He did, uh, he wrote for weird New Jersey for a while and he did that whole thing. Like when I think of New Jersey, I think of, you know, Sopranos, like really kind of like, you know, the, yes. North, yeah, yeah, the yeah. Northern. I also part. think it's, of the Pine Brooks though. The Pine Barrens? The Pine Barrens. Yes. Pine Barrens. Yeah, but that's that's kind of start some of the stuff that he would write about is like not the New York parts is like there's a whole section uh, that he, he writes about where like he went out in search of the, like the Jackson Whites, which kind of sounds to me like uh, I, I don't really know much about it, but it kind of sounds to me like uh, the Seminoles where they're kind of mm-hmm. regarded as like Native Americans, but it's really kind of just like a mass of of people from all over who just kind of like collectivized yeah, yeah. and live together so it sort of sounds like that like that's what's going on there but they live in this part of of new jersey that really kind of sounds like hill country kentucky like it's yes like it's some like hills have eyes type shit in the middle of new jersey like there are parts of yeah this you wouldn't think of it that are that are still very distant and kind of broken off and there are mm-hmm. parts right here in new, new england that are like that like uh i remember For my sure. parents used to take us driving occasionally like we would go to like gloucester for instance and like they're like right around there is also rockport and that whole area has this very strange spookiness to it and i don't i could never really understand yeah. why it's just a vibe that's i noticed there. that in uh, gloucester mass a couple of years ago when i was i was up there in the summer for a while watching i was like this town is weird there's some there's a darkness here that i've it's never strange it's really also felt before it's also hard to get to like it's not like it, it is easy, like, like it's it's there's yeah. there's there's a lot of driving to get to a place that's like really, I think it's about 40 miles from where I live. Like it should take about as long to get there as it takes me to get to Boston from here. Yeah. But it feels like it takes like an hour, an hour and a half to get to fucking Gloucester for some reason. And it's actually closer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I, don't, I have no idea what it is, but there is just a vibe in certain parts of New England that like I can definitely understand like why Lovecraft keyed into this where he would just get to a place and feel that shiver and be like, well, yeah. this is going to be a great story. So yeah, and also it's true in like Shadow over Innsmouth that these townsfolk they are kind of tied to the ocean because so many people make their living from the ocean. Like they do rely on the waters for their life force. Oh yeah. So I can very much see like these are sea people because they kind of like they literally are. Yeah, they live on the water. You know, like yeah, like where where I you know I. I fish work, people yeah i work right here and like in the <laughs> comfort of my own home for like eight hours a day those people literally stood on a boat for eight plus hours a day like yeah. sometimes you know, yeah come home stinking covered in salt water house is damp <laughs> you know Birds are damp hair yeah. is damp salty yeah 
boat's falling apart, all full of salt. I can I can see <laughs> the spookiness for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, I mean, it is, it is, there's, there's definitely, there's definitely something about this area. And I, I love it to death. Like if I, I lived in Florida for a little while and that's a fucking no man's land down there. Different like, type no, of spooky. Like nobody, nobody spooky. who lives in Florida is from Florida. You know, it's like the sort of thing, like yeah. I never met anybody when I lived there who actually like was born there. It's just like they moved there for some reason, usually to work at Disney world. But, um, mm. but like, I definitely missed this place. Cause it has this like, just just something about it like that whole like whatever it was that tied lovecraft to providence like it's yeah like it's kind of spooky hollow feel especially around fall time which i love i mean maybe that's that's what it is is just that this area is like everything about it is just older than everything else because like yeah in every town up here there's like a hundred cemeteries because that many people have died here you know like you don't see that if the further out to the west you go a lot of old cemeteries too very old yeah it's like a nice little it's a bubble in its own way and the way like new englanders have a a coldness to them you know they're not super gregarious uh outgoing um, until you get to know them what's that it's the old yeah 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 yeah, yeah. um and the whole thing just feels like a nice comfortable bubble to live in but it's not like a you know shielded from the outside world just like no we're we're fine over here we're doing our thing it's you, you do yours or cool. <laughs> uh, I, I like that. Good fences and, you know, good neighbors, something like that. Mm. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, I am so glad that you guys joined me. Uh, this went to yeah. some really, really dark places, but uh, you know, this was, this was a really great chat and uh, it was, it was good to meet you guys. And yeah, uh, good to meet you too. Likewise. Man. This is really fun. And uh, yeah, they didn't, Sorry for going dark with it, but it happens sometimes. <laughs> it happens, but but then we pivoted to crabs. Exactly. So it's cool. It was a, yeah. it was it was a good save. It was a good save. No, but it wouldn't yeah. be it wouldn't be it wouldn't be fear if there wasn't a sort of darkness at the core of it. Um, it's true. Be- yeah. Before we go, where you at? Where can people find you? What are you doing? Uh, you can find us on all podcast platforms. The Nonsense Bazaar. Uh, you can connect with us on Twitter and Instagram. Yep. Willow Truman, look me up. You'll know which one I am. Sequoia Kennedy, you won't be able to spell that correctly unless you look it up first, but you can find me through the... <laughs> the only way I was there. able to, to spell it is from Willow. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, Yeah, we're at Nonsense Bazaar on Twitter and uh, the Nonsense Bazaar on Instagram. One of those, you can find it. Yeah, it's find easy. it. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, thanks thank- so much for having us. Yeah, thank you it very much. It was a pleasure. I will uh, I will have you guys back in a heartbeat. This was great. Oh, yeah. All, right. All right. Take care, man. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you for listening to Fear is the Mind Killer. Once again, I'd like to ask that if you liked what you heard, that you subscribe to me on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And while you're at it, a five-star review would be greatly appreciated. If you'd like to follow me on social media, you can find me on Twitter at ThatWerewolfThough, that's T-H-O, and on Instagram as FitMKPod. Join me again in two weeks when I once again dive into the depths of fear and personal horror on Fear is the Mind Killer.